in the New Testament for people that had such need it always took them responding beyond their own realities we in North America are so spoiled with his bone structure and that one man he had just heard that God was God's healing and the preacher got up that night and just said if you want healing come that little man came up on his cane they prayed for him and in the story I remember goes right immediately something began to happen but it wasn't total the preacher leaves the next day and on his way to the airport the pastor calls and says you remember the guy we prayed for that was blind bleeding ulcers he said his eyes are open for he woke up this morning and the shades were too it, it, they were open and they had always been open but the sunlight blind he could he couldn't handle the sun because he had never seen it stories don't build faith they inspire you and I to move. But if anything, they should cause us to stand with an honesty before the Lord and say, Lord, if you did it for them and they just responded. That's why I've said so many times, I really believe the backslider will come home. If they're bound by drugs, alcohol, whatever it is. Listen, if your personality says don't do nothing but just stand there. If you will do what's opposite of what's comfortable to you, I really believe with all my heart it will bring a breakthrough to your family. If God can do it in Ethiopia and give healing, He's the same God in Ethiopia as He is here. You and I just got to respond. When we don't respond, God's not going to move. But when you respond in faith beyond your personality, God will respond for you. Respond. The reason I'm going to my message, I, I want to preach faith and be all positive and stuff today. So this is my only just just provoke. We will never see what God has for us until we defy what is logically in our mind place and realize God I'm desperate for you and I don't care what anybody thinks 
I don't care what nobody thinks. I'm going to raise my hands. If you got a broke back or shoulder, I get it. But if you're well, God's going to take your health and give it to somebody else. You say, God won't do that. I'm telling you, God will take your legs. He'll take your feet. He'll give it to somebody that's willing to worship Him regardless of peer pressure or pride or anything else. I don't want to lose my physical, but I want to leap. If I got energy to leap, I want to lift my hands. I want to lift my voice because He's worthy. Not because a church or a preacher is demanding it. I just want to see people get miracles. And we put the pressure on the preacher, but it ain't me. We don't get our miracle. It's because of our own lack of, because the word does not change. He's a healer. He's a deliverer. He'll set you and I free if we'll let him here today. Sunday school, you're dismissed. Those of you that have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Luke. Before I get sidetracked here this morning, and some old thought process. Oh, thank you, Brother Benoit. I'm glad. We got visitors here today. I want God to encourage our visitors. Let them know there's a God of heaven that wants to help and strengthen. Wants to encourage and lift up in this hour. And we'll do our part, Brother Roger. God's going to see fit that every promise that He's spoken is going to come to pass. You got your Bibles, Luke chapter 8. Verse 49, 8 and 49. While he yet spake, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. And when he came into the house, he suffered no man to go in except Peter, James, John, the mother and the father of the girl. Verse 52, all wept and bewailed her. But he said, weep not. She's not dead, but she sleeps. Verse 53, and they laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. I don't know about you. But I would have loved to have been in that house. Because I'd have loved to watch those over there mocking and saying, you're crazy for what you're doing. Logic and reason says she's dead. And as they're mocking and scoffing, and here's Jesus just, just doing what he does. Next verse, 53. And they laughed him to scorn knowing she was dead. And he put them all out and took her by the hand and said, get up. Her spirit came again. She arose straight away. And he commanded to give her meat. Her parents were astonished, but he charged them that they should tell no man. Verse 52, they wept. He said, weep not, for she 
is just asleep. Verse 54, he grabbed her and lifted her up and said, it's time for you to get up. I want to preach to somebody here today. It's just a sleeping promise. It's just a sleeping promise. Lift your hands and ask God to talk to us today. Jesus. We need the help of the Holy Ghost in this place. I take authority of doubt and unbelief, lethargy and apathy by the authority of the name of Jesus. I speak the peace of God and the promises of God. Breathe today in the spirit of man that it could awaken that which is dead in the heart of mankind to fulfill your purpose today. We ask you in Jesus' name we pray. God bless you. You may be seated. God is, is very interested in, in you and I and what care what we care about. He is very interested in how you and I not only conduct ourselves, we, we use that scripture uh, about obedience and sacrifice. And, and God is, is very interested, utmost priority, obedience. But if we're not careful, we will, we will take the, uh, and I don't want to say the letter of the law or that, that, that part of obedience that is so stringent and so rigid that it's just something you, you, you must do if you and I are ever going to have a relationship with God. I'm not discounting that. But if we're not careful, we'll take the element of obedience and it becomes just a mechanical thing. It becomes something I just do because that's what I've always done. You and I were raised right or we were raised with good parents or we were raised by the word of God. And in the course of all of that, it was put in us. You just do what's right. A man shouldn't lie. A man shouldn't steal and on and so forth. Well, these things that were put in us. That's principles from the Word of God. That's things that He has mandated you and I to do. I've heard a statement someone made not too long ago. We've gotten to a time now where we call sin mistakes. Sin is not mistakes. Mistakes are things you do and there's no harm. It's just something you know you shouldn't have done. Sin is not a mistake. Sin is something I do against God and causes separation between me and God. That is the hardness of it. That is the reality of what it takes for you and I. But if we're not careful, we will focus so much on that, and rightfully so. I keep qualifying it because I don't want anybody to mistake in my position. But there's another side to all of this. It's not just a side of a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's not just a side of I just I have to do it, and what if I don't want to do it? I want to encourage somebody here this morning that there's something greater in just a bunch of do's and don'ts, but there's a relationship that he wants to have with you. And he cares about what you and I go through. He cares about what you're feeling. He cares, it might not be right, but he still cares. You in my mind and thinking may be off, but he still cares. I may make a sidestep. I may sin, but he still cares. I may make a mistake and a blunder, but God still cares. And just because I did what I did, just because I made the mistake or I sinned or I fell short or I'm not measuring up to what I know I should be does not negate the promise that God's given you and I. Does it mean just because of this one moment, this one decision, 
that now God has automatically disqualified you and I or that God's thrown us aside and God doesn't care about what you and I are going through. You need to understand something. You were created in the image of God. You were created in his likeness and everything that happened to you from that moment you took your first breath to this day to day, God saw everything that took place. He saw every abuse. He saw everything done wrong. He saw everything that should have went right that went wrong. But it never caused him to stop loving you and stop reaching for you and trying to help you and I despite of what we are. God doesn't. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to mess with a bunch of y'all's theology. I already messed with theirs this morning, so I'm going to mess even more. Just because you err doesn't mean God just throws you away. Your sin separates, but his love for you is greater. You think Calvary was a picture of. Calvary was a picture, we always say, of yes, his love. But Calvary was more than just his love. It was a picture of how holy he is and how holy we can become to have communion and fellowship with him. And he gave us the means and the method by which we must do that. You say, Ben, well, you, you sin, and I, I made mistakes, or I've, I, I made decisions now. Yeah, our decisions will cost us. And I'll have to pick up the pieces of decisions I make. But you hear me, God's omnipresent. And that spirit is everywhere and at all places, at all points. I've used the analogy. You can, he can't ever leave where he was, go where you are, and leave where he was. He feels that space. He's there. He's in your tomorrow. He was even in your yesterday. And he still is in your yesterday. And he moves or manifests himself with an objective greater than anything else that you could see how much he loves and cares for his people. You say, well, you don't know what I've done. <laughs> Listen, I've heard some stories of a lot that's done a whole lot. And I watch and see the glory of God settle on their faces. We write a lot of people off that God ain't rode off just yet. I'm trying to help somebody understand. Your promises are just sleeping right now. Whatever God's promised you and whatever's in the word of God for you, if you and I can muster up enough faith and put that relationship back to action again. God, I'm here because I love you. <laughs> That's why I lift my hands. That's why I respond to the preacher. I'm not trying to make the preacher feel good. I'm not trying to make my neighbor feel good. I'm trying to let God know by a physical action, God, I need you. I'm desperate for you. You got to get God where you are if you're going to get that thing to wake up. And much of it is it's asleep. And we ask the question, how can I wake up the promise? How can I fix the damage? How can I requalify myself from unqualifying myself by my mistake, by my sin, by my error, by my sidestep, by my doubt, by my unbelief? I just hit this whole church. 
Because there ain't nobody, this preacher included, that we can say we're perfect. We ain't got angels' wings and we ain't got halos yet. That's what this whole walk is about. Every day I wake up, Brother Roger, I'm trying to become in the likeness of him. I'm trying to love a little more. I'm trying to worship a little bit more. I'm trying to give faith a little bit more. And the only thing that can keep your promise sleeping is you and I digging our heels and saying, I'm not going no further. But as long as you pick up your foot and take another step, God's in the business of waking up the things that are dead. Dead. I'm speaking of dead things today. I'm speaking of dead prayer lives. I'm speaking of dead worship. I'm speaking of dead praise. We blame it on our health. We blame it on our personality. But the fact of the matter is we're dead inside. And God showed up on this Sunday morning to tell somebody, it's just been asleep. I'm ready to resurrect a new praise in you. I'm ready to resurrect a new prayer in you. I'm ready to resurrect a new worship in you. But you gotta let him do it. But we won't. We sit back. That's your job. That's your job. And I'm appealing with every bit. If you want to see the promise wake up, if you want to see that backslidden son and daughter, if you want to see that family mirror, if you want to see that job turn, if you want to see your prayer life change, I'm here to tell you in the Holy Ghost, it's been there all along, it's asleep. But I see somebody coming, like that old song said, I see somebody coming down a dusty road, and it ain't it ain't the fire, it's Jesus. And he's coming with one agenda. I'm fixing to cause this whole world to go right side up and wake up what's dead. If the dead aren't raised, Brother Markintel, promises. See, because our promises are connected. This is why so many people, these concepts and mindsets of church, I don't need a church. You understand, your promise is connected to the body. Now, right there, your logic just said no. I'm just doing a 10-second timeout in my head. Because I'm wanting to say something. But I'm trying to be all pastory. That promise is connected to people. It's connected to others. I can prove it to you in Scripture. Come see me afterwards. I'll show it to you. But it's connected. We need each other. You can't make it on your own. I might not like your suit. I might not like your tie. I might not like your shirt. You might not like mine. But that is never grounds for me to ever walk away from the church. Somebody hear me in the Holy Ghost. Well, you don't understand. Sister Tanya didn't shake my hand. Sister April snubbed me off when I walked out the door. It ain't never going to be reason for me to ever walk out of this building or walk away from the body of Christ. Why? I need you, Brother Mark and Tell. I need you, Sister Charger. I need you. Why? The body. My promise of sleep is predicated on him walking in. Well, he's the head. I got to be part of the body. You can't have one and not the other. You gotta have both the body and the head. That's good preaching. You gotta have both. You can't just have, well, I just got Jesus and I don't need the church. Oh, oh, I'm telling you, y'all better count with me. 
But I got Jesus. You can't have him and not the body. He's the head, the Bible says. And the body is the church. That's me and you. That ain't this building. Now it does say forsake not the fellowship, the assembly. There's something to faithfulness to the house of God at whatever the cost. But we got to start thinking bigger. If my thing, my promise is ever going to wake up, I got to realize I can't just have Jesus, but I need the whole package. I need the body of Christ. I need my brother. I need the sisters of God. I need the families in God that we can rise together. But see, in our heart and mind, it's so mechanical. It's do this, don't do this. And what I'm trying to preach to you here today, God is in that obedience. Yes, yes. But once you've obeyed, I'm preaching to some faithful saint of God that's saying, hey, where is my promise? I'm here to declare to you, it's just a sleeping thing. It's just laying down. Yeah, it may be dead, but God's coming by with some resurrection power that's fixing to raise something up. I, I say it again. I'm looking for the biggest drug dealer in Indian Village. I don't care what backpack, motorcycle. I don't care who it is. I don't care the sorcerer, the local witch doctor. God's greater. The name of Jesus is greater and when you nothing can stop the church nothing can stop what God's trying to do but you see those things that are dead mine promises it's dreams the enemy does such a a job on you and I in our minds. Well, there ain't no point in trying. That's what happens to our prayer. You be praying about the same thing for 30 years. If you don't maintain a fervency with that thing, eventually you're going to become callous to that thing. Come on, somebody. It's the truth. You've been praying for little Johnny for 30 years and Johnny ain't come. And if I don't keep the oil of God's spirit flowing through my spirit. You say, well, I got the Holy Ghost. That's not flow. That's stationary. If the Holy Ghost ain't moving through your spirit, there ain't no flow. You can have it and it not flow. I got to have the flow of the spirit on me, in me, out of me, through me. Why? Because if I can get it flowing, I won't ever become hard or calloused to the fact that God ain't answered my prayer. God's going to answer that prayer because you and I have I've determined not just my will, but it's for the cause of his kingdom. See, this is the part where it gets so shaky with us. You know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And God said. God moved. God said. And so from the very beginning, God is trying to show you and I. I'm in a constant moving motion and speaking. God does not change. So if God then is move, moving as metaphorically, he was brooding over the unfulfilled potential of where the earth was in its catamalistic state. He was brooding over that place in its voidness and emptiness. And God says, 
And God's trying to show you and I in the very book of beginnings. I always will come to you and brood over what's not fulfilled. Your promise is bigger than you. It's God's. Hello? It's God's. I'm trying to help you understand. Your healing's not for you. It's for God. It's his name on the line, not yours. When you and I understand the perspective, it's about him. It takes the pressure off. God is going to move. So what does he do? He comes and he broods over what's not fulfilled. There's seed there. There's promise there. And God's brooding over what's not come to fruition yet. So you and I's walk with God is more than just come being happy clappy. It's more than just coming to church. It's more than just being a tithe payer. But you're a child of God created in his image and his likeness. And everything about God is moving. So therefore if I move, God's already moving. I just got to meet up with him in the middle. And God's going to let manifest what promise was there. struggle how many promises do you have what has God spoke to your heart in a time of prayer he's sitting over and he's going and all it takes is this sister Peggy let there be do you understand your one let there be from seeing the fruition of your miracle I'm going to say that one more time for the intellectual complex. You're one let it be from God manifesting. If you can get God to brood over you, if you can, and he does because you're his creation, your unfulfilled potential, you're everything that God wants you and I to be, that's his will for you and I. And he's brooding over you and I. And he's going to say, let there be. Let there be light. Let there be a tree. Let there be substance. God's looking for substance in you and I. And it's a matter of you and I moving to him because he's already moving to us. And I use his term moving metaphorically. He don't move, he manifests. But for the sake of it's moved today. He's moving toward you. See, before he ever comes, there's got to be need. God don't move if there ain't need. He moves because of need. The earth was a form and void. There was need. Let's look at Jarius' daughter, the, 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 the religious man. Throw that up there, Lexi, where we were. I don't remember the text. Somewhere up in there. Find it. Remember? 15, 16, something. He was a religious man. Need. I got a daughter dead. Now notice this. The natural sees death. The spiritual don't see that. That's why I love people of faith. How you doing today, Tyler? Well, I got an aching back and a neck ache and a handbrake and a head, a head, a head, a head, a head. You know, really, when people ask how you doing, sometimes they really don't want to know. Oh, don't you ask all holy. There's a few you just ask, but you know that they're going to give you a list of every ailment. Instead of, Brother Benoit, God's on my side. Because here they don't succumb to funeral arrangements. 
It's the way it's always going to be. I'm always going to be dead and decrepit. I'm always going to be illing and ailing. You know, there are some I know that have a spirit of infirmity. It's chronic. They just always got something. That's a spirit. That's demonic. It didn't start that way, though, Brother Darrell. It started by rebellion of God's truth. Any spiritual activity, let me just inject this here. This is just good teaching. Any demonic activity that you and I would suffer in our life, it's, it all goes back to one thing, rebellion to the Word of God. It's real simple. We can name them and call them spirits of the light bulb. It don't really matter. It's demonic. And it started with a truth that I was presented that I rejected, Brother Darrell. So spirits of infirmity can come because I keep rejecting God's truth. God's saying be a worshiper, and then you don't worship. And over time, that mercy runs out. Mercy changes is what happens. I can prove it to you. That's actually, go back to my scripture I've been teaching. Romans 12, chapter, two, chapter 12, verse 2. Present your bodies a living sacrifice unto God, which is, your, which is your reasonable sacrifice or reasonable service, that you may prove that which is good, acceptable, watch, perfect will. Here's what many people do. We don't want the perfect will. We'll settle for the good and acceptable. Here's the dilemma. Mercy is going to be given to you in the good acceptable. It's just what's going to be the cost while you're not operating in the perfect will of God. Eventually, the mercy of God in the good and acceptable will is going to run out. He's going to move that mercy away. Because eventually, he cares more about me and you being saved than he does my comfort and what's comfortable to me. He wants us to be pleasing to him. That's the kicker in the whole thing. And that's relationship. See, I, I, I use that scripture like I just did. And it's like, well, bless God, good, acceptable, perfect. No, you got to understand, it's about a relationship. He wants his will to be loved by us. Now watch here, here was a saying. Well, now that's pretty mean. God, that's not fair. You want me to love your will, but you don't care about mine? Nope. He don't. He, don't. he cares about how I feel. But if that will ain't in alignment with God... He'd rather see us saved in eternity for an eternal eon than he would you and I have a little bit of pleasure for 80 years of life on this earth. He cares about you and I. And that's what's so, think about your kids, folks. And I'll get off this. It's just, it, it just, it fits right here for somebody. Think about your kids. Why'd you whip the snot out of them kids? Oh, come on, don't act all holy on that either. You spanked them. You didn't beat them. You spanked their little backside. Now, the world says you can't even do that. But you know what? Little Johnny ran out in the street. You whipped his little tail. Said, son, you keep doing that. You're going to get ran over. Somebody got to correct these little kids. Well, that's not the response I thought. But you did it. Why? Because you love them. You want to keep them protected. You want to keep them safe. God is trying to show you and I. My, my ways and laws are not hard. They're trying to protect you from these things. They're trying to keep you from things that are going to cost you something. That you ain't got enough money in the bank account to pay back. So what he does is, is he says, I tell you how I'm going to do this. Leave that. Here we go. He says, I'll give you a promise. I'm going to show you how I work. Now, this little girl, no different than any other, she's a pride and joy. 
Here, this fella, he's a religious fella. And he says, hey, I got a girl back home. She's dead. Next verse. But when Jesus heard it, he said, fear not. Just believe. Now, right there, he makes it seem so easy. First of all, what you got to see is there was a need in the house. He's attracted to need. So many of us are trying to be needless. And God determined you're going to always be needful. I want to be needful. I don't need nobody. No, you need the body and you need the head. I need people. I need help. Need is what caused him to, I got to go pay a visit to a certain house. I got to go somewhere that's just not maybe on my schedule today. See, there are some things that God does for you and I, it's not going to fit in our schedule. It's not going to be convenient. It's not going to be convenient to tell somebody about what God's done. It's not going to be convenient to hand out a card like we have on these platforms. It's not going to be convenient. It's going to defy everything. But you see, here's what we don't understand. The things he's asking us to do could be the very thing that awakens something that we've been waiting for for a long time. What's been dead, Brother Butch, for so long could change in one second. Well, that wasn't on the clock. That wasn't on the calendar. That, was, that conversation wasn't even scheduled. I never planned it. But God is looking down at his people in this hour saying, I got promises here. I got promises there. I'm ready to start waking some things up that they said is long gone. Who said it? You can't ever have revival in Indian Village. You can't have revival back up in the country. You can't have revival back up in the sticks. It's a dead hundred-year-old church. I'm here to defy that spirit today as long as you and I are here. Uh, and if we get Jesus here, there are needs represented all in the building. The head's here. The body's here. Today's the day that the miracle could cause it to wake up. It's so hard sometimes because here's why. Man, I've messed up so much. Or here, here's, here's the one we're dealing with now. I'm such a failure. Just because you failed don't make you a failure. You failed. Quit pluralizing everything. Well, I made more than one. Well, that still don't make you a failure. That don't make you a, a loser. Now, I know I'm being real simple here today. But you don't know the things that bombards people's mind like I know. And the things that come against him saying, I'll never be qualified. I'll never be good enough. I'll never be this. I'll never be that. I'm talking to three people right now. I can put my hand on your shoulder. You messed up the last three days. 
And you're thinking, I'm never going to make it. I'm never going to be what God wants me to be. I'll never be like that. I'll never be like them singers. I'll never be like that preacher. I'll never be like those preachers. I'll never be like that. I'm here to serve notice to you here today. You're a promise that's sleeping. Don't you give up on God now just because you sin. You make it right with God. That's what repentance is all about. And a season of repentance, God will forgive you and I. If you made a mistake, then realize, God, I made the mistake, and now I'm not going to do that. I sidestepped. I tripped up. I failed. But I I'm getting back up again. Why? Because everything about God is getting up. Arise for my, the light has come upon you. Everything about God's moving and getting up. What if that man would have said, religious, I got all the God I want. And the promise, the daughter would have stayed dead. But because a man had enough grit, Brother Darrell, to ask for help. That's hard for us men, Brother Joe. I'm right there with you. I'm all ailing, broke back, and I still won't ask for help. I'm guilty. Guilty. I told the men that about that. I told Brother Tyrone about out there digging a ditch. I miss digging ditches. I know I'm goofy, but I like digging a ditch. I mean, I like working, man. And I can't do what I used to could do, Brother Joe. And it's hard because my mind's telling me just get in there and do it. If that daddy would not have asked for help, Brother Fontenot, what would have laid in state forever? Come on, somebody. Don't go quiet on me now. And much of it is asking for help. Don't wait till it's crisis 911. I tell that to married couples. Man, they wait till, my God, you done committed an affair. Then we want to figure it out. Hey, get help before. You don't have to wait till it's 911. Well, I'm growing cold in my walk with God. Don't wait. Do something now to put another log on the fire. Do a little extra prayer. Call the preacher if you got to. Hey, look, we'll pray over the phone. Just don't stop doing what you're doing and become a casualty in this end time because there's promises in you that this church needs to be awakened. Your promise is going to affect all of us. And you clock out. And don't tell nobody. You're going to hurt the body. That's why these, all these people, man, uh, listen, I, I get just so much stuff. And they come to, well, Ben, when you hear about this and that, and they're like, well, you know, God, boy, that's just so stupid. How could he do that? I don't go down that road. I think it's sad because here's why. When something happens in another church, it affects the body. Those that are preaching truth when some of you think we're not on the radar. You think I'm not on the radar and you're on the radar of the enemy? Absolutely. That's why we need each other. We need each other. That story comes to mind. She brought to my attention last night about warriors in the armor. You know the only part that you ain't got no armor for in the armor of God? Gird up, your, gird up your loins with truth and the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the spirit, loins girded with truth, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You know the only place not, only place not protected? The pack. Why? Twofold. 
twofold. One, God says, seek first the kingdom of God. You put him first. He said, I got your back. When you don't seek God, your back's vulnerable. You're going to get a shot in the back. Your marriage will go under. Your family going to go under. Your kids going to get cancer. Folks, we got 40-year-old people getting cancer. I'm preaching to some young couples. Don't think you're exempt. You've got promises in you. And this church is waiting on those things to awaken. Don't you clock out now. I say again, God can heal. God can deliver. I speak to spirits of addiction. God can break you free today if you want it. But you got to want it. If you don't want it, there ain't enough saints of God praying off of you in this service. There's a way. There's promises in us. I'm trying to close. Y'all come. Y'all get ready. Y'all just stand up there. We're trying to wake up some stuff. There's promises in you, Brother Mike. There's promises in you, Brother Langley. And we need each other. Because your promise is going to affect me. Your promise is going to affect Brother Charlie. And Jesus is showing up service after service after service, David. Why? Because the need is in the house. He's not looking at any village because we got a great building. Or we got great sound. Or we got great singing. Or we got great preaching. He's showing up because there's promises in the heart of Indian Village from a hundred years ago. And God is ready to wake up that what you think is dead. This goes back before you ever got here. There's promises in you before you ever got here. You heard Verbal Bean. You heard Joe Duke. Promises. There's promises putting you when you were just a boy. And God's doing it. I'm going to use you as an example. Okay, Brother Mike, this ain't you. I've been waiting on old Mike to get on board. Old Mike Smith, boy, been around since Moby Dick was a minute, but my God, I, I'm getting tired of waiting on Mike. This is God speaking. I put something in him when he's a kid. I put a promise in him. I put a worship in him. I put a praise in him. I put a prayer in him. I put a word in him. And that word, and the Spirit of God's just brooding over something that's not from. And he's just waiting. The need's there, the promise is there. The spirit is there. All we need is somebody to say, will you come to my house? Will you come to Indian Village, God, in a way you ain't never came before? Will you visit us like you ain't never visited my prayer life, God? Folks, I'm preaching to the hungry today. If you want your prayer life to change, that's me. God, I want you to come to my house. God, I want you to let an angel show up in my office. I want you to let an angel show up in the building. I want your presence to be so strong that it knocks us to our knees. That, God, we can't even stand because of the doxa. The full weight of your glory presses down on us. That our knees buckle because we're in the presence of God and we can't even stand. That's the kind of manifestation. God's got for you and I but we got to call him watch me I'm closing Lexi put them scriptures back up please stay standing I'm done 
I'm going to go fast. And yet he expected there cometh one ruler. There he is. He made a call. He stepped out of his schedule of service, his schedule of being a leader. And he says, I need something that goes beyond. Do you know who he was asking for? He, was, he could have been put out the church for calling Jesus to come to his house. Are you willing to suffer scrutiny of your friends to have a move of God? If you're not, you're in the wrong building. Are you willing to suffer what people would say about you in your worship, praise, prayer, attendance, faithfulness, handing out a card? This man was. Again, I say, God's already brooding, needs there, promises there. All he needed was somebody that was willing to pay the price and say, would you come no matter what? If it kicks me out, go, Lexi, let's go quick. Your daughter's dead. Jesus heard the answer. Next verse. She's going to be made whole. And when he came to the house, he suffered no man. You know what he just said? This miracle's fixing to be very personal. I feel in the Holy Ghost there's miracles that's fixing to be very personal for people in this assembly. Because you've got promise that's been laying in you. And God's ready to bring that thing and wake it up. But everybody, next verse. All wept. They bewailed her. How long? I asked the question today. How long are you going to weep over the wrong that you didn't get vindicated over? How long are you going to weep or get angry, verse both sides, over the thing that they did to you or people did to you or the church? How long are you going to weep over something? Well, God, I was used of God a long time ago and I'm not no more. God could bring you back, put you on location and use you again. He said, she's not dead. This is just a sleeping issue. Next verse. And they laughed in the scorn knowing she was dead. The things that God wants to do for you and I and an Indian village is going to be laughed about by other people. You say, I don't understand, but well, here it is. You think when people start getting healings left and right in these altars, blind eyes are going to be open, deaf ears are going to be unstopped. I know that. There ain't no belief. I'll say it cocky. It's going to happen because that's my God. It ain't got nothing to do with Scott Benoit. I may be dead and gone. They're going to be blinded eyes, deaf ears open in these altars right here in Indian Village. Why? Because there's a people that wants to know a God that is more than just a healer, but he's my friend. And then he said, May, get up. Get the altar to find out. He said, get up. Next verse. Here it is. She arose here and straight away they gave her meat. Listen to me. They didn't give her soup. You say, Benoit, you lost your ever loving mind. You hear me. The revival of the awakening of the promises of God, hear me, hold on, are not going to be weak in their potency, but they're going to be things of substance when God does it. Somebody hear me in the Holy Ghost. You say, what are you talking about? I'm going to go ahead and say it. When the Catholic priest walks in the back door and we baptize him in Jesus' name, it's going to be a substance. It ain't just going to be something that's going to be talked about. It's going to shake this community. Oh, I say it again. You got to believe it with every fiber in your body. 
your hand over to pray for them. By the authority of the name of Jesus, if you need healing in your body, I'd run out like Sister Markentown did. There's healing in this building. There's deliverance in this building. Come on, lift your hands, lift your voices. Don't let it clog up in the altar. Come on, young person, I need you to worship. Somebody. 